Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Pharmacists are a crucial part of how healthcare gets delivered, the final link in the chain delivering medicine from doctor to patient. But like every other industry, pharmacies have consolidated, creating big chains that some pharmacists say have made the job miserable and more prone to errors. State regulators in California estimate that pharmacies make 5 million errors every year, and a new Los Angeles Times report tried to find out why, what can be done about it, and how patients can protect themselves from mistakes. We'll talk with investigative journalist Melody Peterson and pharmacists who've seen the problems firsthand. That's all coming up next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Unless it happens to you, it's the kind of thing we don't think about. That the medicine in the bag from the pharmacy is not what it is supposed to be, or it's too high strength, or you've been given dangerously wrong dosage instructions. And yet, thanks to a new report in the Los Angeles Times, we now know that California regulators estimate this happens 5 million times a year, occasionally with major consequences. Melody Peterson is the investigative journalist at the L.A. Times who wrote the feature, Pharmacies are making mil- California pharmacies are making millions of mistakes. They're fighting to keep that secret. Welcome to Forum, Melody. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So it's a big number off the top. Give us a little context for that. Like, do we know, like, what what percentage of errors is that? Like, tell us a little bit about that. Right. It is a very big number. Um, The board of the state board of pharmacy that regulates um, pharmacists doesn't know how many errors are happening. So they estimate that 1.5% of all prescriptions um, filled in pharmacies um, are mistakes. And what's particularly troubling is the board doesn't know whether that percentage is actually higher or lower Mm -hmm. because there is no requirement that pharmacies report these errors. So how do we even find out about any of them? Well, there is a a fraction of these errors that the state board of pharmacy does find out about. And that is when um, consumers report an error and the board investigates every one of those complaints. So I wanted to learn more about these errors. So I 
um, through the Public Records Act, I got the citations that the board had uh-huh. had filed against pharmacies for the last few years, and there are hundreds of these um, every year. Wow, that's some smart reporting. So tell, tell us some of these uh, individual stories. Like, What are the kinds of mistakes that we're talking about here? Well, these, these errors are definitely not intentional by pharmacists, but many of them are frightening. Um, many of them were mix-ups where, um, of customers where one person's prescription went to someone else. Mm. Um, others were mix-ups of similar-sounding drug names, and actually there's thousands of drugs, and many of them do sound very similar. Mm-hmm. Um for instance, one um, of the errors, a, a, the prescription was for Prilosect, the heartburn drug, but the patient got prednisone, a steroid. So both drugs start with letters PR. Um, so you can see how this would happen. But what um, the, that person who got prednisone, steroid, took it for 89 days oh my gosh. Um, until um, the mistake was found. Wow. Which, I and, mean, presumably that's, you know, altering, you know, key processes in your body. You don't know how someone's going to react to that. Um, do these things end up in court as a result of this? I mean, or, or, or what happens if this body finds that wrongdoing was done? What kind of redress do people have? Well, this was, this is an, Another reason we're not finding out about these errors, um, the big chain pharmacies, at least many of them, do have um, do require that when you pick up a prescription, you agree to their terms of service, which say that if um, if you do have a complaint, you can't file it in in court, in public court. You have to take it to these private arbitration panels you mean um, like when you're at the point of sale at the pharmacy and you're like checking a box before you <laughs> sign like that's ex- where you're agreeing to it exactly exactly if you go actually go into that agreement it's quite quite long and there's a lot of things in there but one of the key things is you're agreeing to private arbitration wow um, I would be willing to bet very few of our listeners have ever read that <laughs> one of those uh, in full. I, I'm sure that I have not. We're talking about a new Los Angeles Times report on pharmacy errors in California. We're joined by investigative reporter Melody Peterson, who covers healthcare and business for the L.A. Times. We'd love to hear from you. I mean, has this happened to you? Have you received the wrong prescription or dealt with other mistakes at the pharmacy, such as, you know, getting the wrong dosage instructions, you can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. Maybe you're a pharmacist and you're dealing with these, you know, the the stresses of the job. It's 866-733-6786. You can email forum at kqed.org. You can find us on all the different social things. We're KQED Forum. Melody, do we have a sense of if, there has just always been a kind of error rate. Like we might expect that in um, in kind of any system that it's just there's going to be a certain failure rate and it's apparently 1.5% the state regulators estimate. Or do we feel like something has changed and errors are going up or down? Right. 
we well, we don't know if they're going up or down, but um, one thing that has happened in recent years, um, pharmacists at the big who work at the big chain pharmacies like CVS and Walgreens have been speaking out about how heavy their workloads are in a survey um, of pharmacists at the chain pharmacies in California, 91% said staffing was not adequate to keep yeah. patients care or keep, keep patients safe. So the, that is, is one of the problems here. And, and if you go to a pharmacy and at, at one of the, the chain stores and look behind the pharmacy counter, you might, you might see this in action. The pharmacist is not just filling prescriptions, but they are operating the cash register, maybe the drive-through, answering the phone from customers, calling doctor's office when the prescription isn't clear. And then with the pandemic, um, this their workload got even heavier when they started providing literally millions of COVID-19 vaccines. Right. So it's when you have so much to do, it's easy to get distracted. And the studies show that distraction is one of the top causes of pharmacy errors. Yeah. Let's bring in our first caller who has experienced this. Anne in Lafayette, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I love your show. Oh, um, I have two children in middle school and um, high school, and they both take critical mental health medications. And I've twice had a Walgreens pharmacy in Pleasant Hill try to give me somebody else's medication. Wow. Like the so same I drug, but somebody else's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They've literally handed me. And I'm just so, I'm so careful because like I even check the pills. I look at the, what the pills look like. I make sure that they match oh and they're gosh. always changing manufacturers too. So it can be really confusing for a consumer, but um, you know, of course, anytime you're doing anything for your kids, yeah. you're extra um, mindful. Oh and um, I also saw it happen to somebody else in front of me in line. And then um, at that point I was like, okay, really hard for me to change pharmacies because I have a lot of medications in my family, but I, I changed pharmacies and I've had better luck um, wow. with the Rite Aid. But what did you do? And like when you, when that happened, did you report it to somebody like, you know, Melody was talking about, you could report it I to just, the pharmacy. I, you know, honestly, I, I, I probably should have, but I think I was in such shock yeah. that like the first time, it, I mean, I think both times I was just like, this is not my medication for my son. <laughs> And they just seemed so, honestly, so frazzled there. Yeah. And this is a particular location as well that um, that actually um, has um, had a lot of staffing issues. Um, oh, in yeah. fact, at one point, I spoke with the pharmacist because I said, because I was picking up another medication and the pharmacist, they, they closed without notification to customers they closed before they were supposed to close one time and um and i spoke with him and i said you know like what the heck should i go to a different pharmacy <laughs> like what you know what's happening here and he said you know you might want to consider 
moving to a different pharmacy. Oh, wow. And this was also a pharmacy that handles all of like the Medicare. I think they have the contract right now with Walgreens. Mm-hmm. Huh. So I was thinking to myself, like, there's probably a lot of people that might not necessarily catch something like that. It was really, oh, it was really alarming. Wow. And thank you so much for just kind of making this real for people and, and you know, showing this is really happening, you know, every every day. Thank you so much. Um, you know, Melody, I uh, want to just note, uh, and, and for listeners too, you know, we invited CVS, Walgreens, uh, Rite Aid. Uh, CVS declined, and we hadn't... Uh, gotten responses from the others yet. Um, Is this a problem with the way the pharmacy industry works now, having consolidated over, you know, the last 10, 20 years? That um, many of these errors are, most of these errors are happening at the chain pharmacies and the pharmacists I spoke to, um, definitely um, blamed the corporate pharmacies that in, in essence, if you have more staff in your pharmacy, that is a lot more expensive. And so it comes down to these staffing issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just wanted to note for people out there who may not be keeping ch- track of sort of pharmacy market share, but like CVS has roughly comparable market share to Walmart in the grocery sector. So about, you know, a more, more than a quarter uh, of the of retail pharmacy um, business is now transacted just at CVS, um, which is, is pretty amazing. Um, we're talking about a new Los Angeles Times report on pharmacy errors in California, joined by investigative reporter from the Los Angeles Times, Melody Peterson. She wrote a story called California Pharmacies Are Making Millions of Mistakes. They're Fighting to Keep That Secret. We're going to take more of your calls about prescriptions gone wrong or uh, if you're a pharmacist, you want to share that experience. The number is 866-733-6786. We're also going to be joined by some pharmacists we've scheduled uh, after the break. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about pharmacy errors. This piece was, this show was occasioned by Melody Peterson writing a new investigation called California Pharmacies Are Making Millions of Mistakes. They're fighting to keep that secret. That's published in the Los Angeles Times, where she's a reporter covering healthcare and business. Wanted to get to um, a couple of comments. I mean, Karen writes in to say, 
During today's show, I got a call from the pharmacy that they may have given me 360 instead of 180 pills of a controlled substance. I'd already changed pharmacies twice in the past year because of mistakes. Now I have to count the pills or bring them in to uh, be counted. Um, let's go to uh, Miguel in Palo Alto. Welcome, Miguel. Hey, hey, Alexis. Hey, Melody. Hey, welcome. Uh, thanks. Uh, so I just wanted to add a comment. Um, so I'm a former chain pharmacist. I actually am a physician now, so I have some insight into the kind of patient safety side of things. And I, I really think that the, the environment, the work environment in retail pharmacies is just not one that is aligned with patient safety and, and the, the critical steps in, in getting these medication dosages and, and regimens right, um, particularly with our patients who are on multiple medications um, and controlled substances, as was mentioned. So, you know, it's really an environment that's set up to maximize profit and efficiency um, in a way that I, that I think is many times uh, unsafe from what I experienced. Oh, wow. Well, uh, Miguel, thank you for that um, perspective. We have a perfect guest to help talk about this as well. Christopher Adkins is a pharmacist at an independent pharmacy in Los Angeles, former pharmacist at CVS and at Vons. Um, Christopher Adkins, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. So uh, Miguel was saying that he thinks the conditions in retail pharmacies, particularly those at the at the big chains, are just they they are kind of set up to uh, have pharmacists make errors. Yeah, I don't know if it's, I would say that it's not intentionally to make them have errors, but it's kind of like he said, it's set up to maximize profit and not really prioritize patient safety because at the end of the day, these companies are not run by pharmacists. They're run by business people and CEOs that have no medical training whatsoever, that have not taken the oath of a pharmacist like pharmacists have, and they don't have that moral an ethical obligation to the patients like we do. So their bottom line is making sure that their shareholders are happy, not necessarily worrying about the safety of the patients, because I think they see it as that's the pharmacist's job. That's why we hired them in here. So they're supposed to handle that and get all the prescriptions out. And so over time, it's kind of gotten worse over the last, it seems like 10 to 20 years from me talking to older pharmacists, because I've only been in practice since the pandemic, since about 2020. Mm -hmm. But I've heard older pharmacists always talk about how CVS has come in and bought out multiple chains, like Long's Drugs used to exist and CVS bought them out. And I heard pharmacists were just at that point walking out of the pharmacies when CVS came in because they knew how bad CVS was at that point. They also bought Target. Target pharmacies are now owned by CVS. Same thing happened there because those were the stores that I worked at was the CVS inside of Target. And they told me whenever CVS rolled in, a lot of the staff just walked out because they knew how bad it was. So pharmacists have known for a long time that CVS is not a good company that does not prioritize patient safety or really care about their employees that much, to be honest. But I don't think the public is aware of that. Just want to note again that we did invite CVS, Walgreens, and Rite Aid onto the show. Um, none of them said yes. Um, Christopher Adkins, is it just staffing? Is it, or, or are there particular features of the way that these pharmacy systems run that are making life harder? 
I would say probably at this point, since at least the pandemic staffing is definitely the biggest issue, and that has several factors that go into it as well. The, the pandemic did burn out a lot of pharmacists because we were working overtime when we were already working overtime. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the older pharmacists retired early. A lot of pharmacists transitioned to places outside of the retail environment entirely. And a lot of potential pharmacy students are not going to pharmacy school anymore. So we're also going to have a problem over the next couple of years getting more pharmacists into the workforce, which is going to continue to perpetuate the problem. But aside from staffing, I mean, there also are these pharmacies want to make money, obviously. So their incentive is to get as many prescriptions out of the pharmacy as possible. So it's become kind of a quantity of care over quality of care issue. So just the incentives that they have to make money are not aligned with patient safety. And that I can't necessarily blame on them because that's how pharmacies have always run. It's been a product-based service. So we only make money for prescriptions that we sell, not necessarily services that we provide, which we have been trying over the last couple of years to be able to provide certain services that we're able to, like counseling for birth control or travel medications or certain things like that, that allow us to use our pharmaceutical knowledge to help the patients and help decrease the amount of medications that they're on or help them avoid side effects or help counsel them rather than just trying to push as many medications out of the door as possible. So the incentives that are in place really, I don't think are in line with patient safety necessarily. And as a result of that, staffing has become an issue Hmm. because that is one of the biggest, um, biggest spins for most companies. Also pharmacies is just having staff in the pharmacy. So if they can cut that down, make it more efficient, then at the end of the day, they make more money, and a corporation obviously has incentive to do that. Yeah. Melody Peterson, I can imagine that applying more technological systems inside a pharmacy could have positive or negative effects on the sort of quality of service and the sort of error rate. Can you talk to me a little bit about how technology has been applied uh, within these pharmacies and whether you think that has uh, helped with patient safety or hurt it? Sure. Um, yes, the um, the chain pharmacies told me they were using technology more to try to free up um, the pharmacists to, to do more for the patients. But at, at least in one instance, um, the board of pharmacy was very uncomfortable with with the technology that CVS had put in place, which was something called virtual verification and how it worked um, at at CVS. The um, lower paid pharmacy technicians would fill the prescription, but the regulations require the pharmacist to sign off on every prescription. Mm. And so the technician would take a photo of the pills before putting them in the bottle and stapling the bag. And then the pharmacist could look at that photo from any computer when he or she had time and sign off on the prescription. And so CVS and the board of pharmacy have been going back and forth. The board is uncomfortable with it. CVS says, you know, this isn't causing errors, but at least, um, at least five times in the citations that I 
looked at the Board of Pharmacy mentioned virtual verification was related to errors. Um, and eventually the board talked to CVS and they they seem to be getting a little more comfortable with the process, but it's uh, it's still being debated. Yeah. Mode, I know you got to go soon, but can you tell us if there's anything going on, say, like in the California legislature to try and try and get a handle on this problem or at least, you know, kind of increase the transparency into this industry? Sure. There is a bill that is being debated right now in Sacramento, which would require pharmacies to report errors. And this is a bill that is sponsored by the Board of Pharmacy. Um, Again, they say they don't know how many errors and and they're really worried about it. Um, They don't know if it's going up or down. And so this bill is being um, fought by the chain pharmacies um, one who who do not want the board to get these error reports. And so the bill is designed so that the board wouldn't get the airport error reports. The pharmacies would give the error reports to a third party group. Mm. And then that third party group would release some information to the board, including how many, errors were being reported. Got it. What do you think about the legislation? I I think it would would help. There's also some language in the bill that would give the pharmacist some say in staffing um, in the pharmacy. Um, so that also might help the problem, but it's it's too early to say. Hmm. Melody Peterson, um, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone should go read this piece. It's in the Los Angeles Times. It's called California Pharmacies Are Making Millions of Mistakes. They're fighting to keep that secret. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm going to take another call here. Let's bring in uh, Sarah in Pinole. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Um, I was calling. I wanted to know, um, is this another symptom of big pharma? Um, and I wanted to also know, I'm guessing there must be lawsuits, um, against these companies. And if so, is there a way for us as the consumer to, um, find out and see how many, um, lawsuits are against each company? Um, I think that could be something to just help the consumer. Um, and you know, I'm old enough to remember when the pharmacist was kind of like a chemist, (laughs) um, and they would you know, create medicine for your local um, community. And and I just wanted to know, is that still yeah. something that's going on or is it just the feeling of prescription? Like, mm. how does that all work? Yeah, no, thank you so much, uh, Sarah. I, I got one answer for you on the lawsuits. Um, Melody Peterson was telling us that uh, people essentially agree to arbitration, so we're not actually getting a lot of lawsuits. And for your other question about sort of the, the training and what goes into you know becoming a pharmacist? Now let's bring in Richard Dang, assistant professor of clinical pharmacy at USC and the immediate past president of the California Pharmacists Association. Welcome, Richard. Thank you for having me. So Sarah was saying, you know, she kind of remembers when pharmacists were were basically chemists who also could help people with health problems. I, that's still what a pharmacist is, right? 
Yeah, pharmacists have a large list of responsibilities. And first and foremost, the, the primary responsibility is absolutely the uh, protection of patient safety by verifying medications that are filled. Uh, but pharmacists are also responsible for um, clinical service, such as vaccinations, um, as well as medication therapy reviews with certain patients, uh, answering phone calls from doctor's offices and prescribers, um, some pharmacists also compound or, or make medications like the caller had mentioned. Um, so pharmacists can be responsible for a large list of medic uh, of responsibilities. Um, and you know, when we're talking about medication errors, um, the lack of staffing really causes potential distractions for the pharmacists mm -hmm. to be able to lose focus on some of these tasks. Yeah. You know, were the findings in Melody Peterson's report, were those really consistent with other research that you've seen on pharmacy errors? Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking about errors in the healthcare system since 1999, mm -hmm. uh, when, the, when the Institute of Medicine released its report on this. Um, so when we look at the error rates across all different systems, hospitals and pharmacies, we're looking at about a 2 to 4% error rate. Um, so the, the estimate that was used by the Board of Pharmacy is in line with kind of that range at a 1.5 uh, annual estimate. Hmm. Here's a question. Professor Dang, do you think that error rates are higher at the chain pharmacies for the reasons that we've been discussing um, than they are, you know, at an independent pharmacy somewhere? Yeah, due to the lack of transparency, we don't have the data to say that. But anecdotally, um, we, we do know that the pharmacists who work at an independent pharmacy in that state survey that Melody had referenced uh, report uh, less issues with staffing. They report being less fatigued, and they report being happier with their workplace. And we know that a lot of those are root causes of errors. So when we're comparing staffing levels, we know that independent pharmacies are able to staff their pharmacies appropriately uh, compared to some of the other uh, companies that we've been talking about this morning, where we saw in that survey, a large majority reported issues with staffing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we look at that, one could assume that th that would lead to more errors in that particular setting. Yeah. What about health systems that work differently? I mean, I mean, Kaiser obviously comes to mind or, or the kind of mail order pharmacies. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, when we look at health systems like Kaiser's, I, I think, um, you know, generally it looks like uh, from some of the survey data and anecdotally that those pharmacists work very similarly to our independent and, and retail pharmacies. And they seem to report pretty satisfied levels with their staffing as well in those areas. Hmm. Uh, we're getting a ton of uh, comments uh, coming in on on, on these issues. Um, one listener writes, you know, several years ago, the pharmacist at a Safeway refused to give me a glaucoma medication, which was waiting on the shelf for me to pick up because the computer the pharmacy used for payment wouldn't work, refused to take my credit card information by hand that lasted for days. Eventually, the California Board of Pharmacy investigated and fined the pharmacist $5,000. Um, another uh, person says, you know, I work for a private nonprofit that works with people who are losing their sight. Recently, a woman who came who lost the sight of one eye when she was given the incorrect medication for her glaucoma. And Professor Dang and Christopher Adkins, I'm going to run both the, this question um, by both of you. One listener writes, where should patients go if not CVS, Walmart or big name drugstores? And uh, Christopher, let's start with you on that. 
Uh, well, obviously there are independent pharmacies. They're a little bit harder to find now because they have been kind of run out by the corporate pharmacies. But if you do have an independent pharmacy anywhere near you, or even if it's a little bit of a drive, I would say that's usually a safer and better choice. And you can usually get a little bit more personalized care there because those pharmacies usually don't have as many patients. They're not on the phone as much. They usually are staffed better because they don't have as much overhead as the corporate pharmacies where they have to pay CEOs and lawyers and lobbyists and uh, dispense dividends to everyone. So they're able to staff their pharmacies better. So I would say an independent pharmacy is usually a better option. Finding a pharmacy that you can trust that has had a pharmacist there for a while, that's very experienced, that you're very comfortable with talking with, that's really the best pharmacy is the pharmacist that you know and that you trust and has been there for a while and you feel can provide the best care to you. And are there any problems with like take you know taking insurance at independent pharmacies that might not exist at a at a CVS? Some pharmacies do have different contracts with insurance companies. Obviously, CVS has the money to get better contracts usually. So you do have to check with the pharmacy ahead of time just to make sure that they do take your insurance. So that can cause a little bit of a headache sometimes. And unfortunately, that's the way our healthcare system works, being that we have so many different insurance companies and the contracts associated with that. Hmm. So unfortunately, that is a little bit of an issue. Yeah. We're talking about new reporting on pharmacy errors in California. We're joined by Christopher Adkins, a pharmacist who is one of the main sources for Melody Peterson's investigation in the Los Angeles Times. California pharmacies are making millions of mistakes. They're fighting to keep that secret. We're also joined by Richard Dang, assistant professor of clinical pharmacy at USC and an immediate past president of the California Pharmacists Association. We want to hear from you. Have you ever received the wrong prescription or dealt with other mistakes at the pharmacy? Or maybe you're a pharmacist and you disagree with this characterization that we have uh, been, been talking about here. You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can email us at forum at kqed.org. Twitter, Instagram, Threads, or KQED Forum, or of course, you can always join the conversation in our digital community. If you don't know how to get into there, just go to kqed.org slash forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary.
Welcome back to Forum. We're talking about new reporting on pharmacy errors in California, joined by pharmacist Christopher Adkin and assistant professor of clinical pharmacy at USC, Richard Dang. Earlier, we were joined by Melody Peterson, the investigative reporter who wrote, California pharmacies are making millions of mistakes and they're fighting to keep that secret. We're going to get to more of your calls and comments in this segment of the show. And let's start with uh, Phoenix in Oakland. Welcome. Hi. Um, yeah, I just really have a comment. Um, definitely super interesting topic, and I will change to an independent pharmacy because I have one around the corner. But I also wanted to give a shout out to a Walgreens pharmacist um, in Oakland who actually found an allergen in one of my prescriptions and was like, aren't you allergic to penicillin? And I'm like, yeah. Right. And so they were actually able to tell the doctor to please prescribe another antibiotic. Mm. Um, so it still happens. That's right. all I want. No, I appreciate <laughs> that, Phoenix. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Christopher Atkins, that's how it's supposed to work, right? Absolutely. That's how it is supposed to work. And in the chain pharmacies, there are great pharmacists there. So I wouldn't just say don't go to a Walgreens or a CVS just because it has that name on the door because pharmacists are better trained than they ever have been. Pharmacy school is extremely difficult and extremely comprehensive. So there are definitely good pharmacists out in the community. And when they have the time to look at those things, they can make great interventions like that and potentially save a patient's life. Yeah. Uh, Another listener writes in to say, um, and Dr. Dang, I think this one's coming to you, you know, State Senator Josh Newman introduced legislation today to end the practice of imposing performance quotas on pharmacists based on profit, not health outcomes. Um, First, Dr. Dang, tell me a little bit about this practice of kind of introducing quotas. And I also thought in the preparation for the show, I saw that there was already legislation on this. Yeah, thanks for bringing that. That uh, Newman bill was actually something that CPHA had sponsored last year and has signed and passed, and it is now being implemented this year. So that bill bans the use of quotas in um, chain pharmacies. And some examples of quotas that were being imposed on pharmacists that really distracted from their work was, you know, prescriptions had to be filled within 15 minutes. The percent keeping track of the uh, how quickly you answer a phone call, keeping keeping track of how many um, patients come through your drive-through, things like that that don't really contribute to uh, reducing medication errors and improving quality of care. Um, and so now we're in the implementation year of that with the California Board of Pharmacy uh, really being responsible for monitoring and enforcing mm-hmm. uh uh, that law to make sure that companies no longer put these uh, pressures that aren't related to uh, providing patient care on their pharmacists. Yeah. Um, Christopher Atkins, I mean, one wild thing. I mean, I saw that Walgreens put out a statement on their website where they literally just spell out in detail, we're not going to use quantitative measures of pharmacist performance based on X, Y, Z. Like it was a whole listing of things that made me really think that they're that announcement is for you, right? Like for you as a pharmacist to try and get you to work there. Uh, It could be. It could also just be letting the public know that they want to be in line with not imposing those quotas on pharmacies and that they're not, you know, all about the money. They are about patient safety too. And I really do hope that they're not imposing quotas on the pharmacists and that they are making that move to be more, uh, more focused on patient safety and patient's health. Yeah. Um, 
Dr. Uh, Dang, you know, Michael writes, uh, what about pharmacy models in other countries, in Europe, Japan, etc.? I know that in much of Europe, France and Greece, for example, pharmacies are just that, pharmacies. Only pharmaceuticals, along with creams and lotions, toothpaste, etc., but no liquor or Halloween candy or groceries, etc. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we look at some of the independent pharmacies, that's true as well. Uh, but we do have some pharmacies that are located in a retail setting that are commingled with some of these other items. And so when we look at pharmacy practice in other countries, I think some of the differences we might see too is that in those countries, their scope of practice is very different where pharmacists can also evaluate their patients and in some cases prescribe medications. Now, pharmacists here in California are well-trained to do that um, and many are eager to do so, but also they're concerned uh, because they don't have the time to to do that if they wanted to. Um, so when we look at other, you know, comparing ourselves with other countries, I think that's probably one of the main differences that I would look at. Hmm. Yeah. Um, let's bring in um, Danielle in Redwood City. Welcome. Hi, thanks for taking the call. I just wanted to find out whether, why haven't pharmacists unionized? I mean, are there impediments to that? seems like that might be a solution in our sort of market system to help make some of the changes that sound like are necessary. Yeah. Hey, Danielle, great, great question. I mean, uh, well, uh, Christopher Atkins, maybe let's start with you and then Richard Dang can respond. Yeah, so there actually are some pharmacist unions. Whenever I was at Bonds in Southern California, they are actually a union pharmacy. So those do exist, but they are very small as kind of unions in general in the country are at this point. And there is definitely an impediment to that, and it is the corporations themselves. They really put out a lot of propaganda to the employees. They actually have, when I was at CVS, I actually had to do a training module that specifically told me, do not join a union because unions are bad and you'll get paid less and your job will be terrible if you join a union. So they just create propaganda to not want their employees to unionize because it does give them more leverage as employees, like me, myself, as an individual versus CVS that has, you know, billions of dollars and a huge market share. I have no leverage in negotiating my job or what I do there. But when pharmacists come together, either through a union or through CPHA or any of the other organizations where pharmacists can organize and kind of speak up, then it makes it more difficult for the corporations to impose the type of workflow that they want that might not be aligned with patient safety. So there are definitely impediments that are not illegal. It's, it's still legal to do that and to tell your employees not to join a union unfortunately, in my opinion, but they are impeding people from joining unions or even wanting to join unions. Richard Dang, I mean, um, Chris Radkins mentioned your um, form of organizing, which is the California Pharmacists Association. Um, do you all support unionization for pharmacists or do you have a different perspective on this? Yeah, CPHA is not a union. We're a membership organization focused on advocacy. So many of our members are the pharmacists who are working in the front line. Many of our members are, are, are discussing and very much interested in unionization. And that could very well be a way to help address some of these issues. But like Chris mentioned, the efforts of unionization is very difficult. Um, I mean, even when we look at examples of Starbucks stores trying to unionize, they're having similar difficulties, I think, with those efforts. Um, when we look at the unions that exist, there are some very successful unions um, in pharmacy settings, namely at Kaiser. And there actually are some union stores within uh, Rouse Pharmacies and, and Walgreens as well. Okay. Thanks for that. Um, let's bring in Holly in Sebastopol. Welcome, Holly. Hi there. Uh, I was in a hospital for five days after a cardiac procedure that had some complications. 
And uh, I was given a medication, it's called the anti-arrhythmatic, that helps your car, your heart uh, keep in a good rhythm. Mm-hmm. Well, after a day taking that med, they gave me uh, a, med- a different medication that was in the same class. It did the same thing, but it was a different medication. And when I left the hospital for the checkout, um, the pharmacist came up to my room. She was lovely, spent about half an hour with me going over this long chart of all the meds I was supposed to take and how to take them. When I got to the pharmacy, <clears throat> a friend was driving me home. We stopped at the pharmacy first. And as the pharmacist was handing me all these all these pills, I noticed that there was the second heart medication that I was supposed to take for a couple of months, but there was also the first one that I had only taken for one day that didn't work so well. Hmm. So I said, hey, there's two anti-arrhythmatics here. One of them was amiodarone, which is a black box um, medication, very dangerous. And uh, I said, is this a mistake? She says, well, it sure is. And I said, well, what would happen if I'd taken them both? And she said, you probably would have died. Oh, my gosh. I saved myself because um, during my hospital stay, I was Googling all these medications from my hospital bed and learning how to pronounce them and asking questions. And it was on my radar. And I would just really advise any patient to, you kind of have to be your own doctor these days. You know, you've got to double check everything and be knowledgeable and ask questions. And if you feel like something's wrong, say no. Yeah. Holly, well, I'm very relieved uh, that that didn't uh, didn't end up taking both of those uh, medications. And, you know, Christopher Atkins, uh, we know you have to head off for your shift as well. I mean, when you hear a story like that, does it just, I mean, that's got to be like your worst nightmare as a pharmacist. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's literally nightmares. I mean, I've literally had nightmares about that happening to me, dispensing the wrong medication and causing some type of harm to a patient. I think that is every pharmacist's worst nightmare. I mean, that's the thing that we're taught for three to four years in pharmacy school to avoid. And like I think a caller earlier said that when they discovered an error, the pharmacy staff was very frazzled. That's probably the exact reaction that you will get anytime there's any sort of error, because our top priority is keeping the patient safe and causing harm to anybody is one of the worst things that could possibly happen to us, honestly, but above losing our job or losing our license or anything like that. Yeah. Causing harm to a patient is absolutely the worst thing that could happen to me, and I think that could happen to any other pharmacist. Yeah. Hey, Christopher Adkins, um, thank you so much for joining us. If you want to read more uh, things that Christopher has said about the pharmacy industry, you can check out Melody Peterson's investigation in the Los Angeles Times. California pharmacies are making millions of mistakes, and they're fighting to keep that secret. Thanks so much for joining us, Christopher. Thank you for having me. Um, Richard Dang, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the technology and systems that some pharmacists say have made things more difficult for them, thing known as virtual verification. Um, but are there, it, it seems like this problem is somewhat amenable at least reducing the number of errors to introducing more slash better technology. 
Yeah, technology can definitely be very helpful. And there have been some cases, you know, in the last decade or so where technology has been used uh, in the medication filling process. Like, for example, uh, there are robots that can help count and, and fill uh, medication vials. Um, however, it still requires kind of that human touch, right, uh, to be able to, one, fill the robot with the right medications, to be able to verify that the robot put the correct pills in the vial, and ultimately, the pharmacist's decision to evaluate whether there are allergies or interactions. Um, and so I think, you know, technology can be helpful. But whenever we lose that human tactile touch, I would be concerned that, that those would be new opportunities to introduce other types of errors that we may not be thinking about right now. Yeah. Um, got a couple of listeners who have really interesting questions. I mean, one you know, there's a wide variation in cost for drugs depending on insurance and whether a pharmacy is a quote preferred pharmacy for that drug insurance. How can independent pharmacies actually compete with the big chains? That is literally the billion dollar question. Unfortunately, some independent pharmacies cannot compete because um, of these large corporations who actually also end up owning the insurance companies. And right. so then they own the insurance company, they prefer their own pharmacies. And then, yeah, they cause, they cause this cost differential where it's not preferable to fill somewhere else. And so those are some of the bad practices that our organization, CPHA, is also looking to address in the future. Um, it is a big problem. And because of that, you know, unfair practice and uncompetitive nature, some independent pharmacies are closing because they simply can't compete. Yeah. You know, one of the phrases which I've come to understand is extremely important in healthcare, but people don't discuss as much as a pharmacy benefits manager, the PBMs, right? I mean, these are the people who end up essentially paying pharmacies, right? So if we go upstream from the problems that pharmacists are having in their jobs, how much of the blame can we lay on that level upwards, the pharmacy benefits managers? Yeah, the pharmacy benefit manager is really that middleman that serves as the intermediary between the pharmacy and the health insurance plan. Um, and so they're the ones who make the payments and monitor that. You know, that that's also a kind of a untransparent area. Uh, but we know from our members that there are a lot of PBM practices uh, that are causing a lot of these issues. Um, you, know, you know, like I said, they're being uncompetitive. They're hurting the independent pharmacies. And those are places where, like I mentioned, we are well-staffed. We are happy there. And arguably, maybe less errors are being conducted there. Um, but we also know that PBMs, um, you know, like I said, hurt independent pharmacies. Some of the practices that they do, you know, they underpay the pharmacy for the prescriptions that are filled, but they also claw back money. So months down the line, they do audits and then they find an excuse to take money back from the pharmacy. Mm. And so these are some of the things that they can do to hurt the pharmacy to eventually lead them to close. Well, in some cases, right, uh, like in particular, CVS is sort of... Um uh consolidated they have um they've actually their care mark right which is their pharmacy benefits manager but they're also cvs the retail pharmacy right and so they've i guess vertically integrated would be a better way of putting it exactly they, they have vertically integrated and in, into all the layers and they really control a big piece of that market yeah uh, another listener wants to know how much more staffing is needed to reduce the errors associated with the greed of retail pharmacies what kind of staffing is needed? More pharmacists or more pharmacy assistants? 
We need both. We need more pharmacists and we need more pharmacy technicians. Every member of the team is incredibly valuable. And when we look at a typical, you know, corporate pharmacy, you know, you might see a skeleton schedule of one pharmacist working alone the entire eight hour shift. And they're responsible for typing up the prescriptions, answering the phone calls, going to the drive through, filling the prescriptions and verifying the prescriptions. Now add on top COVID testing, vaccinations, you can see how that might lead to errors. When we look at other locations, like independent pharmacies, or maybe pharmacies with unions, or even my own pharmacy in the health system, I'd say, you know, just anecdotally, there's probably three to four times the level of staffing uh, for a similar volume uh, location. Oh, wow. That's a that's a lot. That's very different. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we see these places committed to using their uh profits and revenues to the to generate to to have the appropriate staffing so that they can operate efficiently and avoid these errors so that each pharmacist has the required necessary amount of time for them to dedicate to evaluate a prescription completely without being rushed you know another listener um writes are there any errors by mail order prescriptions like who regulates the mail order uh houses yeah, mail order pharmacies are also regulated by the state board of pharmacy, um, and you know there, you know every setting has some level of error. So yes, there there could be errors in mail order as well, uh, but they are regulated by regulated by the state board of pharmacy. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up here, Richard Dang, are there changes we haven't talked about that you would recommend to make pharmacies safer for patients? You know, I think a lot of the changes we talked about, especially with the bill we discussed, AB 1286, which a CPHA supports, would really help address some of these issues at its core root. Um, you know, making the number of errors that are happening be more transparent so that we know exactly what's happening, where it's happening, and what is happening so that we can potentially address that. AB 1286 also addresses the pharmacist in charge's authority to be able to have more of a say in how their store is staffed, as opposed to being told by their you know, corporate managers what their staffing schedule should look like. Mm-hmm. So I think those two things will really help. And at the root cause of it is ensuring that there is an appropriate number of uh, personnel who are working in the pharmacy. Richard Dang, Assistant Professor of Clinical Pharmacy at USC and the immediate past president of the California Pharmacists Association. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We've been talking about new reporting on pharmacy errors in California. Earlier, we were joined by Melody Peterson, investigative reporter covering healthcare and business for the Los Angeles Times. If you want to read her piece, it's called California Pharmacies Are Making Millions of Mistakes and They're Fighting to Keep That Secret. Earlier, we were also joined by Christopher Adkins, a pharmacist at an independent pharmacy in L.A., formerly of CBS and Vons. Thank you so much to all of you who shared your actually terrifying stories about pharmacy errors. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, the Heising Simons Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.